All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome. So glad you're here this morning. Uh, this is a little different today. We have flipped our service. Some of you came in this morning fully expecting that you were about to stand up and worship the Lord. You're going to get that opportunity in just a little bit. But uh, we're going to preach to you first thing this morning, all right? We're just going to go right out of the, of the, the box here with a, a message for you today uh, that I, I believe is, is very relevant and very pertinent to where we are right now. All of us are coming off the election cycle. Um, some of us uh, voted one way and some voted another, and none of us are sure if any of us voted right. Um, we're feeling uh, a lot of uh, maybe guilt, maybe remorse, uh, maybe confusion. There's a lot of different things that are going on for us. But uh, here's the thing that I want to bring to you this morning, and that is the reality that our hope is in nothing short of God and God alone. All right, so I just want to talk to you for a few minutes about that this morning. Um, and I want us to look at what might be going on, you know, inside of us um, this morning. And then we're going to take you into a time of worshiping together. Um, and I really believe that that's where we go when we have little hope or no hope or our hope is muddled uh, or oppressed or suppressed by circumstances and situations in this life. This is where we go. And oftentimes we find ourselves, I shouldn't say often, but a lot of times we can, in the world that we live in, find ourselves in this sort of spiritual depression where we feel very distant from God and we're not really sure where He's at. Uh, we, we're, we're trying to figure it out. Like, where is God in all of this mix and this scheme of crazy-making things that's going on in our world. So hopefully this morning we're able, as, as leaders in Life Church, to bring you to this place where you are renewed in your hope uh, and nourished in your hope this morning, and we can bring you to the place of worshiping God uh, in, in a wonderful way today. Um, there was a psychology instructor in a, in a university, and, and um, she had just finished a lecture um, on mental health issues, and she was giving an oral quiz. And uh, she was speaking specifically about manic depression. That was the subject matter that she was quizzing the students on. And she asked this question. She said, how would you diagnose a patient who walks back and forth screaming at the top of his lungs one minute and then sits in a chair weeping uncontrollably the next? And a young man in the rear raised his hand, and he answered the question, and he said, it's a basketball coach. <laughs> now, now we, we can laugh about something like that or smile or snicker about that, and, and we understand. But what I want you to understand today is that real depression is a serious problem, and in particular in our country. Mild or severe depression affects more people in our culture than any other emotional disorder, according to uh, the Harvard studies. All right? Um, so it, it shouldn't be surprising to us that there are uh, messages, there are our statements, there are stories within the scripture um, uh, that address the issue of depression. It's estimated right now that there are 30 to 40 million Americans, twice as many women as, as men, who are experiencing depressive illness or will experience depressive illnesses at least once in their lifetime. And it's so common now among us that it's actually called the common cold of mental illness. 
And I'm not saying any of this in any way to put anyone down. I'm, I, I'm saying to you and I, this is something that is prevalent in our nation. It's prevalent in all subcultures of our nation. It's prevalent in the church. And so let's not be afraid to talk about this. And let's not be afraid to talk about a kind of spiritual depression that can, can touch any one of us at any given time. And what I feel like I'm seeing in America right now, what I'm seeing among Christian people uh, post-election, is sort of this kind of angst and this kind of dullness that, that is very much identifiable as kind of a spiritual depression. I really, I don't know what God is doing. I don't know where God is. I don't know what God is up to. Those are the kind of questions that are going on inside of people. And so I think we, we need to go to the one place that we can go to get our answers uh, that is the right place to go, and that is the Bible. That is the Scriptures. And so that's why I've taken you into Psalm 43 this morning. I think it gives us some really good, solid counsel and some good example. Um, and uh, I want to look at that. Well, I'm going to talk also a little bit about Psalm 42 as well, because in, in, in many, many of the scholars will tell you that these two were actually meant to be one. They're not meant to be separated, and they... They, they work together. Um, and so uh, we're going to look at both of them this morning a little bit. And, and the, the subject is obviously similar in both of them. Uh, and, and there's this, this sort of united f- refrain that comes out in both of these psalms here. Uh, psalm 42, verse 5, and verse 11, and then Psalm 43, verse 5. All of them talk about putting your hope in God. And that's where I want to take you this morning, is this place of, of putting my hope in the one place that it is supposed to go, that it needs to go, and that I can take it, all right? I can take my hope and I can place it in God and God alone. And there I can find rest. There I can find peace. There I can find uh, the, uh, the, the strength to continue on and trust God. But I'm, I'm not saying that you just do that easily. That's not just a random act, all right? We have to be very intentional, all right? We, we have to want to do this, actually. That's, that's, that's part of what I want you to understand this morning, is that we have to want to move, all right? We have to want to not stay in a place. And as the church, I think it's imperative that we, above all people, move. That we move away from places of hopelessness, that we move away from places of despair, that we, we move from these places where we are dulled out and feeling as though we have no strength. These places where we're living in, in some type of remorse are some type of depression. It's, it's imperative that we, as, as the body of Christ, realize the need for us, both individually and collectively, to shift. To, to make that move, if you will. So this morning, I want to challenge you and I that we move away from this place of sort of spiritual depression over all that has happened and all that is going on and all these unknowns and, and listening to all these fears and, 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 and these kinds of things that are happening all, all around us, that we begin to move to God. And I want to take you there in some type of procession this morning, all right? I want, I want to begin with where we are and, and move us to the place where we are at the altar of the Lord, if you will, and we are praising Him, all right? And this psalm, um, it, it, it is very much uh, that kind of cry to God, all right? And, and the psalmist here is crying out, as Susan read to you, 
And he starts out in this psalm, uh, in verse 1, he starts out by saying, God, where are you? <laughs> where are you when the wicked surround me? And this is a this is a valid question that I'm hearing in all circles, whether that's here on a Sunday morning or at the gym on a, on a, a, a Thursday morning or Thursday night. I, I hear people saying, hey, Bill, I, I, yesterday, I'll give you a good example. Yesterday, I, was, I went to the gym, and I was at the gym, and I, I, I got in the sauna for a few minutes, and I'm sitting in the sauna trying, like, okay, the sauna is my refuge. You know, it's my escape place. Like, I can just go in the sauna and just, just close my eyes and sit in the corner, and, and I don't have to talk to anybody. And I walk in the sauna, and there's this little guy in there, and he looks at me, and he goes, Hey, preacher! Anytime anyone says that to a pastor, it's going downhill from there. <laughs> you just gotta know. You just gotta know. You know, and I'm just, I'm like, oh, man. You know, <laughs> and he goes, you're the answer, man. He goes, he goes, where's God in all this? You know, and there's like six guys sitting there, and they're all looking at me in a towel. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, come on, you know. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I said to him, you know, hey, here's what I know. I know God is sovereign. I don't have answers for you this morning, but I know God is sovereign, and uh, I'm going to hold on to that. And as I understand things, you know, we can talk about it. And uh, he, he didn't let up. I mean, he went on, and that's, another, that's for another time, okay? But David says, God, where are you when the wicked surround me? And then, this is, this is marvelous. He goes, vindicate me. <laughs> Come on, God. Take care of me, all right? vindicate me. That's how I felt yesterday. God, where, come, come down in this sauna and just, just drench these guys, okay? Just, just, you know, let them pass out or something from a heat stroke. I don't care. You know, but we, sometimes we feel that way. God, we as your people, we represent you. We identify with you. We name your name. You know, we live out your cause vindicate us. Where are you? Stand with us. Plead. David says, plead my cause against an ungodly nation. How many of you feel that way right now? You know, we're, just, we're feeling the, the heaviness of our sinfulness as a nation. And we as God's people identify with that, and rightly so. And hopefully we are constantly repenting to God for this nation and, 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 and the place that, that it is. But he says, God, will you deliver me? Will you take me out of this place of where these de 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 deceitful and unjust people are? And, and, and I think that this is a very familiar repeat for us, this theme in this particular psalm, this cry for vindication. We oftentimes feel that we've been unjustly thrown into situations and circumstances, and we, and we don't like that sense of injustice. We don't like that, that, that sense of, of being misplaced or misrepresented in some way. And so the, the key is that you and I do exactly what David starts to do here in this psalm, and that's we move to the right place. And the right place may not be a physical place or a physical position, but it may be a place within your understanding and within your spirit, all right? You move to the right place in that you move towards the throne of God. And what David does in sharing this cry with God is he leaves his vindication up to the Lord. And I'm going to ask you to do that this morning. I'm going to ask you to just let, let it go. What you'd like to get, get even with, 
what you'd like to, to point a finger at, what you'd like to judge, what, we, what you'd like to dismiss, what you'd like to shave off, what, what you'd like to, to cut out, what you would want to throw away, what you would want God to just judge and send to hell. All right, no. Let us, God's people, leave vindication up to God. You and I are not called to be the judge. We're called to be the worshipers of Almighty God. Let's let it go. He doesn't give us, that's not a gift, by the way. There is no spiritual gift, all right, of judging other people. There is no spiritual gift of you and I correcting the whole world and policing it, all right? So take your spiritual badge off and put it in the garbage because that's not what you're called to do. You and I are called to pray for those who are in authority over us. And we're called to, to bless and not curse. And we're called to care and to intercede and to hold up. And so let's move, let's position ourselves towards the throne of God. He says, deliver me from, from the deceitful and the unjust man. It's hard to deal with those kinds of people, isn't it? And, we, and we're going to hear them all the time. They're all around us. They're all around the, the, the church. Um, but... but in every tough situation, we have to do what the psalmist does, and that's the right thing, and that's cry out to God. All right? And here's what I want to challenge you and I to do in Life Church. More than talk to each other about what we don't like about this nation right now or any person in this nation, let us talk to God. I would ask you that you and I begin to restore something that I think has diminished in Life Church. And I talked to our leadership team uh, this week in our, in, our, in our staff meeting about this. I really feel like that we've lost some of our dimension or our depth of prayer that we've had in the past in Life Church. And I would love to see us renew that. I would love to see us reignite the prayer in Life Church and that we become a people who are solid prayers and that we are taking this nation to God, that we are taking our leaders to God, that we are taking our congregation to God, and that we are, we are able to move ourselves towards the throne of God, because I think that will mark us very different as a body of believers than those in the world, okay? Now, he goes a little further in verse 2, and he says, why do you seem so distant from me? Why, why are you so far out there? For you are the God of my strength. This is a, this is a marvelous question. This is, this is wonderful. God, you're my strength. In other words, you're the answer to my question, but you're out there. You're, you're away from me, it feels like. Why do, you, why do you cast me off? Why do I go in this mourning kind of place because of my enemies? Why aren't you here? Why aren't you close to me? You are the God of of my strength. And, and, and here's the thing, folks. If David didn't have this great relationship with God, this wouldn't be a problem. This wouldn't matter. But here's the problem. David loves the Lord. And he trusts in God's strength, not his own strength. So he wonders, where is God when I don't feel him? I don't see his mark in such a perilous or, or such a critical moment, such a, a, a perilous time as this? Why, why do I not see him when I know he is my answer? Why has he left me? And how many of you have asked that question, not just in the last few days, but in a, a desperate time in your life, have you not said, hey God, where are you? 
Because you are the answer. I don't, have, I don't have anywhere else to go. I remember getting very angry with God. By the way, I'm fully convinced that there are a lot of angry Christians today in America. And we're going to have to deal with that emotion. But I remember getting very angry with God once because I was struggling. And I said, God, you set me up. I'm still struggling. I still have this battle going on in my life, in my heart, in my soul, in my mind. I'm struggling to follow you. I'm struggling to, to, to live out your mandate. And you set me up because you have convinced me that you are my only answer. And why am I stuck? Why am I in this place? And why am I not finding relief? And I was angry. And I remember very clearly in time in wrestling through this and, 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 and working it out that I felt very impressed that God was saying to me because you're still trying to do it yourself instead of letting me have it. Throw it on me and let me take it and we'll do it together. And there was a shift at that moment even in how I approached God. And so I'm saying to you that that we need to be able to, to wrestle with some of these hard questions and, and, and deal with them and, and work through them. Why do you cast me off, God? Why are you away from me? Why do, why do I feel this, this sort of low-grade depression in my life right now? Why, why spiritually am I not going to you? It's, here's the thing, folks. Anyone who loves God and walks with God will have to deal with the whys. You've got you to do that. You can't just put them down because they're going to stay there. And they're going to be loud even if you box them up. They're going to be loud inside of your own soul and your own mind. And you've got you to be able to, to work through these different hard questions, these different whys. And sometimes you can't do that by yourself even. And you need help and you need others in the body to go along with you. You can't live this whole life wondering why God doesn't do things just the way we would do it especially when the answer might seem so obvious to us. So in verse 3 he says, okay, you're far from me. I don't feel you. I don't, I don't, I don't sense you, but yet you're my strength. You're, you're, you're out there so distant. I feel oppressed by my enemies. And then here's, here's where things start to change. He goes, God, this is where he gets honest. This is where he gets humble. My hunch is that, that there's, there's a moment here of some kind of brokenness in this man, David. This great king suddenly realizes that, you know what, I don't have it all. I don't have the answers. I don't have the, the ability. I don't have the strength to do all this. And he says, God, I need to be led. Wow. I need to be led. In other words, I'm a king, I'm a leader, but I'm longing to follow here. I don't, know, I don't know the path. I don't know the way to go. I need to be led. And, and here's the beauty. I need to be led by your light and your truth. Oh, send out your light. Send out your truth. Let them lead me. Let them lead me, Father. And I think this is where we need to be as God's people. God, I need the revelation. I need the understanding. I need the light on my path so I know how to go. And I need the truth to temper me and help me in my decisions as I am moving along this path. 
And so he's saying, you send out your light, you send out your truth. And the psalmist knows in his heart, I believe, that, that his light, his truth is not enough. It's not sufficient. It's not that you and I don't have understanding. It's not that you and I are not sensible and bright people. It's just there's a higher revelation that you and I need to come under. And that is God. The revelation of this sovereign God, if you will. He, this man knows he needs the light and the truth of the Lord. It isn't within him. So if God doesn't send it, he doesn't have it. So all other options have been put aside. They may have been weighed, but they've been put aside now. And the only option is God. And he says, okay, let them lead me. This, folks, is a prayer of submission. Now, let me address something. In this nation, there has been an unbelievable attempt to legitimize anarchy. It's okay to just go into rebellion. It's okay to just fight. It's okay to just overthrow. It's okay just to take over. And it is not okay just to do that. That has some very dangerous ramifications. We are not to be a rebellious people. That is not to be an identifier of God's people. We are to be a people of submission. We submit, obviously, to God as our sovereign. But we also submit to the governing authorities as long as it does not contradict Scripture. And we need to be very careful about the kind of attitude we have as we are talking about this nation and going forward. And I want to challenge you and I that we be the carriers of that light. We be the bearers of that truth. That we are living in such a way that we are the witness of the light and the truth of God and His Word. And that in doing so, we come closer to Him. This is where we got to be. This is where we got to go. He says, Lord, I want, you to, I want you to lead me by your light and your truth. And, and, and here's what I want you and I to catch here. Is, is He's not saying, oh, would you send out your light and your truth so I can admire them? So I can look at them and say, oh, those are wonderful attributes of God. No, David is saying, I really want to submit myself to your revelation. I really want to submit myself to your truth and walk in that truth. I want them to lead me. I want to follow that. So as a leader, I need you to lead me. And you and I have got to find ourselves in that place. And so now this begins this procession, if you will, of praise. At first, it's over here in a pit. Why am I so messed up? Why is God so distant? Why is God so away from me? Why are my enemies all around me? Why am I feeling all of this stuff? God, I need you. I need you to lead me. I need you to send light and truth and lead me. And out of that submission comes the ability now to go to God. This is his This is his heart cry, if you will. And so he begins in this real place of this kind of spiritual depression, he begins and he will end up 
praising God as we see at the end. But it all begins with the revelation of Jesus Christ, of God for us, and the truth of, of the Lord's word leading us along the way, okay? So here's the thing, folks. We, we don't seek light so we can continue to sin, and we don't seek truth so we understand something in our head or get head knowledge and become prideful and, 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 and puffed up. Rather, light and truth become the very practical guides to us being able to have communion with God. Spurgeon says it this way. He says, we seek not light to sin by, nor truth to be exalted by it, but that they may become our very real guides to the closest communion we can have with God. This is not a time for the church to, to, to rise up in pride and arrogance and try to correct the world. This is the time for you and I to be light and truth and bring the world to Jesus. He is our hope. He is our answer. So the psalmist begins to describe his response to God in, in the last part of verse 3. He says, when you answer my prayer, I will come to your house. <laughs> in other words, I want to be with you. I have a six-year-old grandson, and I, I see my phone light up, and I see the number, and I know it's him calling. It does something to me. It, I mean, like, like, it evokes something inside of me, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> and and I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, because I know who it is. Yeah, and he goes, Papa, and I go, yes, Landon, and he goes, I want to come to your house. That's all it takes right there. I mean, I'm, I'm like, if, let, me, let me clear my schedule if I can. Let, let, let me do whatever I can do. Let me try to figure this out, you know, because I want him. And I'm telling you, that's a, that's a father's heart and a grandfather's heart. That's God's heart. He wants very much for us to come to him. And David, David just, he, he does it. You answer, when you answer my prayer, I will come to your house. Let them bring me to your holy hill. Let, let, in other words, I, I'll come to your tabernacle. I'll be with you. That, that will bring us into, into this community. He says, let them bring me. Let light and truth bring me to you. The, the them of this statement is these things that we need to grab a hold of. Light and truth. Light and truth. And the psalmist wants God's, God's light and truth to lead him to a very specific place. And here's the thing. You can't take the revelation in the word of God and manipulate it so that it takes you where you want to go. It has to take you into the presence of God. All right, so you, can, you, can't, you can't be on a platform and just pull out scripture and throw it out there to get a vote or to get a recommendation or to get allegiance or, or to get anything. You, the light and the truth brings us to God's house, God's holy hill, tabernacle, living with God. And so this is what the psalmist is wanting here. He's wanting this very special place, this, this 
holy place, if you will. And so this is the second step in, the, in this procession of praise, being led by light and truth to the Lord. The psalmist is coming in to a deep presence with God, into this sort of tent of meeting with God, if you will. And I'm telling you, any place God's people meet together with Him can become this sort of tabernacle experience where we gather together with Him. The intent of God and light and truth is never to divide us. And this world will try to divide you, and it will tell you at various times through various people that it is with you, or that you are with it, but the sole intent is to be divisive. And this nation is in the most divisive place it has ever been in. And Christians have been caught up in this divisiveness in recent months. And it is a poor witness to the world of what the church truly is meant to be when Jesus prayed and said, Father, make them one, just as you and I are one. And if we divide over issues that are political or any other type, we have missed the mark and we have been called out from or led out from darkness or from light into darkness. And I, I challenge us that we as God's people begin to come together around those truths that we know and the sovereignty of this God. See, the psalmist wants to go to this tent of meeting. Why? Because he knows the Lord is there in a special way. Okay, let's just, let's talk for a minute, okay? I don't take issue with depression I don't even take issue with spiritual depression. We live in a broken world. Sin is an affront to us. It comes in on us. And there are a lot of us that from time to time we find ourselves in a pit. There are some of you, bless your hearts, you, you battle this ongoing all the time. And it is, it is a tremendous battle. I'm not diminishing any of that in any way here with this message today by any means, okay? I am not. I'm trying to help you to find a way out of some of this. And I believe it's legitimate because it, it is God's word here, all right? But you and I have to be a people who do what God would have us to do to help ourselves. God is going to help you, but you've got to help yourself as well. I have heard people tell me, excuse themselves to me in the last few weeks you know, everything is just so bad right now. Everything is just so rotten right now. I just feel so crummy. So, I, you know, I just didn't feel like I could get up and even go to church today. Well, I'm going to tell you what. The devil just lied to you, convinced you, and got you. There is something special about coming together in the tabernacle, the house, the place of God, and being together and encouraging one another and holding on to one another in difficult circumstances and times. And all the enemy is trying to do is cut you out of the flock and get you off by yourself so he can devour you. So I don't buy it. I, don't, I, I just don't buy that there is an opportunity or a place where it is legitimate for you to walk away from the body. Just because you're having a bad day or just because the world is in a difficult circumstance or something like that, all right? We come together in the 
tent of meeting, if you will, because the Lord is there in a special way. And, and David knew that, and he knows that when God's people come together, it's in a special way. And we need one another. We need to be with one another at times. And David knows that it is a special place where he can focus on the Lord in a special way. I'm going to tell you something. This worship team in this church doesn't get together to perform for you. And if you're coming in here for a performance, you're missing the mark. And you're doing a disservice to God, to the praise team, and to yourself. This praise team, and you're going to see it today, I think, more than ever. I, I, I warned a couple of them that I'm really putting them out there today. I'm really putting a lot on their shoulders, all right? I'm just going to tell you what, what David did and how he did it and tell you this is what we should do, but then I'm going to turn it over to the praise team, and they're going to do it, all right? They're going to take you there, all right? And in worship, we're going to, we're going to encounter, if you will. We're going, to, we're going to connect with God. But please understand, Life Church is not a church of performance. It's not about performing. It's not about presenting or entertaining something to you to make you feel good. It is about teaching you the truths of God and leading you into His presence where you can worship Him. And notice what David says in verse 4. He says, when you answer my prayer, I will praise you. I will go to the altar of God to God my exceeding joy. And then, notice the next part. On the harp I will praise you. In other words, I'm going to get right in there. I, I am jumping in and I am worshiping you, God. I'm, I'm giving you the worship that you deserve. I'll go to the altar, God, full of faith. I'll anticipate that you're going to answer my prayers. I will declare that I will go to your altar when the answer comes. In David's case, going to the altar meant sacrifice, presenting a sacrifice. And this wouldn't be a sacrifice for the atonement of sin necessarily, it could include that, but it would be a, a, an, an offering, a sacrifice for gratitude and celebration of his fellowship with God. It would be like, I get it, I got it, God. We're together, you're sovereign. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna offer in this procession of praise, I'm going to offer to you a sacrifice. What is that for us? It is the sacrifice of praise. Morgan says, the way to the altar is opened by the sending out of light and truth from God. And when we follow the light and the truth of the Lord, it will lead us to His altar, the cross where Jesus was given as a sacrifice for our sins. So that's where we go. We come to the altar. And, and, and I've heard the arguments. Well, I can build an altar in my living room. I have a special room in my house. Fine, you can do that. In addition to coming into God's house, fellowshipping with God's people, being together with God's people to study the Word and letting the light shine on your path and the truth give you the revelation you need to make the shifts and the changes that are necessary in life. So he comes to the altar and he offers this praise. Under the new covenant, we no longer offer animals, but we still bring the sacrifice of praise. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, 
giving thanks to his name. It's amazing. I read so many blogs over the last few weeks, and I listened to different Christians talk, both in person and on television and radio. And I heard so much opinion and so little scripture. So little scripture. When did opinion usurp truth and scripture and the revelation of God? I just, it baffles me. And I'm saying to you, let's come back. All right, let's, let's get into this proper procession, if you will. Let's go to that place that, that we need to go to. Therefore, let's offer the praise, this sweet-smelling sacrifice, if you will, this worship unto God. He says, on the harp, I will praise you. Not only am I going to praise you with a sacrifice, but I'm going to do it in music. I'm going to do it in song. He's reached his destination at this point, folks. He's there in this procession of praise. He has been led by the light and by the truth, and he's come to the house of God. He's moved to the altar. He's offered his sacrifice, and it culminates in praise. It ends with this wonderful experience of worshiping and praising God. And in verse 5 then, he says, and he has said this before, so if you go back in, in the previous chapter, and remember I said these should be one chapter together, but in the previous chapter, he says this same thing. He says, why am I cast down, O my soul? And, and why is there tur turmoil in me? And some translations say, why am I so disquieted? In other words, why is there such dis-ease inside of me? And then he says, put your hope in God. There's no audience here. This isn't the king trying to encourage the people. This is the king trying to encourage the king. This is the king saying, I'm, I'm kind of losing it here. I don't, I don't have it. I'm not on my game. I'm not on the platform. I, I'm not foundationally set where I need to be to build my life here. I need, something needs to happen. God, you need to come and lead me by your light and your truth. And he says, Put your hope in God, David. And he says, For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he did not. He did not feel as though life was good. And I'm sure that if subjects in his kingdom saw him, they probably said, Ooh, life is not good. It's interesting that Sometimes my wife will look at me and I guarantee you she's thinking, oh, it's not good right now. And sometimes Pastor Dave will walk in the door here on a, on a Monday morning and before he even sees me, he says, you all right, Pastor? <laughs> I, I, if, if, if I said no, I think he might even just walk back out, you know, <laughs> and can come back in a little later or something. But we, we don't like it when our countenance is not where it needs to be. But that is indicative of what's going on inside of us oftentimes. And even what we say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I want to challenge you and I that we live in a different place than maybe we have been living. And that we move out of this cast down place, all right? Why so cast down? The psalmist says that... that hope hasn't come yet. That's what he's saying. Why, why am I like this? Well, my hope has not come yet. And, 
and, and he doesn't want to give in. He doesn't want to give in to feelings. And there's another sermon for emotions and feelings for another day, but let's, uh, let, let, let's, let's, let's just kind of land right here. The, the big key point here, see, is that we see at the end of the psalmist here, folks, none of his circumstances has changed. In that first segment of trying to fight up, he says the same thing. Why am I in such turmoil? Why am I so downcast? Put your hope in God, yet I will praise Him. But he doesn't move beyond that. And so he battles right there, and it, it, it's not happening. And a little further down, you see it again. I mean, he's trying. He's trying to talk about hope. He's trying to talk, in, in some good self-talk. And then it happens again, and he says again, Why am I so downcast? Oh, my soul. I need to put my hope in God. And he tries again. But it doesn't work. And it's not until this third try in the next chapter here, in verse 5, that when he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so in turmoil and disquieted? Put your hope in God. That he says, Yet I will praise him. And here's the difference. The only thing I see that has happened from the first two in this, this sort of ongoing struggle and battle is prayer. Prayer. David is agonizing and praying and confessing and declaring to God. And as he does, he begins to shift, he begins to move, and God answers this prayer and brings light and truth. And as he does, everything starts to change for David, but here's what you got to understand. His circumstances do not change. Nothing has changed from the first time he cried out, the second time he cried out, the third time he cried out. What changed? The attitude inside of David. He changed. He moved. He shifted. The, the, the darkness and the mystery of everything is still all about him but he is seeing the light. And the light is shining and he is seeing the way. And now his soul, in essence, is forbidden to despair, but rather it puts its hope and encouragement in God. And this is where I want to bring you today. I want you to be able to get to that place where you shift. And you're not walking out of here seeing a world or a nation that is in despair and hopeless because you know that you have a sovereign God. And this is where David had to land. You know what? My circumstances haven't changed. My condition hasn't changed. But here's what I know. God is still sovereign. God is still over it all. God will take care of it. God will help my countenance to change. God, God will move me. And so this morning, if you're one of these people who is in this place of some kind of, of low-grade depression or, or spiritual depression or whatever you want to call it, just recognize it and begin to confront yourself as to why this is going on. What's making you angry? What's making you upset? What's causing doubt or fear? What's, what's making things happen around you that are speaking louder than the truth and the light of God? And, and confront that and deal with that. If hope has paralyzed you, then let prayer release you. And go into worship 
so that there is a shift and you are carrying the light and the truth of God to others. Many, many believers today are defeated. Many believers are discouraged. Many believers are depressed. And they have all these negative emotions going on because they have not sought this biblical approach to dealing with some of these issues. And again, like I said, I'm not trying in any way to diminish anything in your life that you are battling with. I don't need to diminish anything in your life today. I am going to increase the revelation and light of God through the preaching of the Word. And this Word can grow in you and increase in you and light your path and renew the hope in you that you need today. And this is good for you regardless. Folks, maybe you're one of those people who's sitting there and going, Pastor, you don't understand. I didn't let any of that political stuff mess with me. I'm, I'm good. Great. All right? But this is still good. This is a good word for you anyway. All right? This is a good word for all of us. Because more than ever, this world needs to see a church that has a hope. That believes that there is something to hold on to and grab to. That anchors us and stabilizes us. And that is foundational in this earth. And isn't going to be wavering. And isn't going to blow about with all the winds and the craftiness of this world. Or a leader. Or a platform. Or a whatever. But that this God is sufficient and stable. And He is not changing. He is not going to change in any way. So we hold on to that. Amen. Amen. How about we just worship God? How about we just take this and now we stand on it and we actually act on what we're standing on? And let's just say, you know what? I'm just not going to be settled and satisfied with knowing it in my head, but I'm going to activate it. And this morning, I'm going to enter into a time of worship and I'm going to spend that time getting connected to God in the altar. And I am going to praise Him. Why downcast? Why disturbed? People of God, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God that He will yet answer you and come to His altar. That is the invitation. As the praise team is coming, that is the invitation here today, is that you will put your hope in God. You will land in His altar and you will declare his goodness today in songs of worship. So, can we do that together? Amen? Amen.